They knew the risks. We all knew the risks. But they chose to do what they do to make Earth a better planet because of their efforts. Hi, I'm Chris May, host of This Day in Weather History, a podcast from the Weather Network in Canada. And today I am going to be joined by meteorologist and space writer at the Weather Network, Mr. Scott Sutherland. Columbia, Challenger, Discovery, Atlantis, and Endeavour. They are the names of the five NASA space shuttles. We have only three of them left today. Challenger was lost three days ago in 1986 during launch. Then we lost Columbia when she attempted re-entry this day in weather history. Because I did not feature Challenger on January 28th, I will blend them both together here today. First, the space shuttle Columbia disaster was a true punch to the gut for not just NASA, but the world, because it was almost 20 years in the rearview mirror since the horrifying scene that played out on live television when the Challenger blew apart for the world to see. We had simply forgotten. We had gone back to taking space exploration for granted. This was the 21st century. We had moved on as a society, and this STS mission was categorized to us as routine. And re-entry was now only seen as, quote, automatic. And as a result, you'd likely only have seen it live that day if you were on a closed-circuit feed because it was hardly primetime television watching. But that is what happens when our collective backs are turned. On February 1st, 2003, 17 years and only three days since the Challenger was lost with all of her crew, 73 seconds after liftoff, the world was blindsided when the space shuttle Columbia OV-102 disintegrated as it re-entered the atmosphere. I want to bring in the Weather Network's space expert and meteorologist, Scott Sutherland, now, as I mentioned, to get his take on what happened during what had always been perceived as, quote, the easy part. That was the coming home. Scott? The journey home might be perceived as the easy part, but due to the heat and stresses the spacecraft endures during re-entry, it is actually one of the most dangerous parts of any spaceflight, second only to the launch. The problem that caused the Columbia disaster actually occurred during the launch on January 16th, when a suitcase-sized piece of insulating foam broke off the main fuel tank and struck Columbia's left wing. During the shuttle's stay in orbit, NASA went over the footage from the launch and from what they saw, they concluded that the insulating tiles on the wing were not damaged, so Columbia was safe for re-entry. What they didn't know, however, was that the impact had opened a hole large enough in the wing that hot gases from re-entry were able to get inside anyway. The stresses on that compromised wing became too much, and it was torn apart. The shuttle disintegrated in mid-air, and all seven crew members were lost. But it did not take the STS missions down with it just yet. Space shuttle flights resumed on July 26th of 2005 when Discovery launched and successfully was put back up into orbit. The space shuttle program continued through August 31st of 2011 when the final mission, STS-135, was flown by Atlantis in July. Let's go back now to what happened at 11.38 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on January 28th of 1986. The world was watching this one because it would be the first time in human history that a U.S. civilian would travel off this planet and into space. On this morning, the space shuttle Challenger 
was supposed to simply lift off from Cape Canaveral, Florida, and Krista McAuliffe, a 37-year-old high school social studies teacher from New Hampshire, would be on her way. The launch date was originally set for January 23rd, but that launch countdown was repeatedly delayed because of technical problems and, yes, because of the weather. The Space Shuttle Challenger launched in front of a packed observation seating area of hundreds at the Cape, but then 73 seconds later, everyone's lives went dark. Everyone on the ground, including Krista's family who were huddled together staring up into the sky, stared in disbelief as the shuttle broke up in a forking plume of smoke and fire. Millions more watched the wrenching tragedy unfold on live television. So again, I had to ask Scott Sutherland what his memories of that event were and what in his years in education that has followed from that what more he may know about why and maybe how this happened. Challenger was the first space disaster I was witness to, and as a big fan of human spaceflight even then, it was devastating to watch. More recently, I came to understand the true role that weather played in the Challenger disaster. The exceptional cold on the launch day has always been blamed, but it was actually a combination of the cold and a patch of severe clear air turbulence high above the launch site that ultimately doomed the spacecraft and its seven crew members. The breach in the right solid booster rocket may have resulted from the cold, but escaping exhaust gases quickly sealed that breach, well enough that if Challenger hadn't encountered any other problems, it likely would have made it to space safely. It was the extreme stresses from flying through severe turbulence that broke that seal open again, which resulted in the explosion that ended the mission. In September of 1988, space shuttle flights resumed with the successful launching of the Discovery. Let's remember that without the space shuttle program, we would have lost the Hubble Space Telescope because it needed repair, and we would not have the International Space Station today because that was built by the constant stream of shuttles that were commuting crew back and forth and who did not give up on the program even after the disasters that could have ended it twice. I'd like to close today with meteorologist and space writer Scott Sutherland and his take on the future of the space program, the way he sees it, and where we go to or do next as a curious exploratory species. Then I'll see you tomorrow, February 2nd, for a special Groundhog Day edition on This Day in Weather History. Scott, it's your show to close, my friend. Take us home. With SpaceX now launching astronauts and companies like Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic testing their own spacecraft, new laneways are opening up for people to get into space. And it shouldn't be too much longer before space tourism becomes a thing. There are also ambitious plans in the works for once again sending humans beyond low Earth orbit. The Artemis missions aim to return humans to the surface of the Moon by 2024, with a permanent space station around the Moon possibly even launching in that same year. After that, we may see the very first human missions to Mars sometime in the 2030s. Robots, spacecraft, rovers, and landers will continue to play a large role in our exploration of space, but our drive will ensure that we eventually follow them to see the wonders of our solar system for ourselves. 